Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the final podcast from SLTD going over big time in 2023. No, we're not going off air. This is just our final part of this year. And uh, Mike and I are going to rehash the last week. We uh, gave you our top wrestlers of the year in 2023. And so this time we are going to close off 2023 by naming our picks for match of the year. Um I guess like if Mike had more, that's totally fine. I had like a top five rounded out and I have some honorable mentions myself. So with that, we will go into our uh, matches. Uh, I guess I will start like I did last week with my honorable mentions. Um, yeah, this gentleman's going to be on this uh, on our list, I think, uh, on numerous occasions. Will Ospreay um, in his... TNA Impact run from Bound for Glory, uh, the match with Mike Bailey, and then subsequently um, the match with Josh Alexander. I just finished watching, rewatching the match with Josh Alexander. Um, I wouldn't say it's on the level of some of the other matches Will Osprey has had uh, this calendar year, but uh, very solid. Of course, you have to adapt to the way the other guy is uh, you're facing. Uh, Josh is a little, I guess, heavier in terms of weight class. Um, he's a more of a ground game, uh, more of a hard-hitting guy. And But nonetheless, um, very impressive uh, display. Like like with Omega, Osprey would be a little quicker, I think, in terms of speed, matching speed for speed. But this one was very solid, um, very impactful, um, no pun intended. Josh Alexander does this um, cross-body uh, through the ropes when the guy is sitting on the ring apron out on the outside of the ring. So it's uh when he hit that on Will, I wow that was a it was a really good shot. Um but uh yeah match with the Mike Bailey was of a similar at Bound for Glory was of I think a similar uh quality as well. Um and to round off my honorable mentions this is an interesting pick but I picked the 2023 Royal Rumbles, both the men and the women. Um, not so much as like overall like match quality because you when you have 30 people in there, it's hard to like pick out who did the best whatever. Mm-hmm. But you, but there were like little things that really stood out to me that made me go back and think, okay, that was a very good Royal Rumble. So I was thinking in terms of the women's rumble, uh, the reemergence of Asuka in her throwback character to when she was in stardom or japan um piper niven getting her name back um i guess the only dark spot in the women's rumble was number 30 uh, naya jacks at the time making her one-off appearance during that time before i believe she was re fully re-signed by the company as for the men's rumble, I will have to say there's really almost two matches in that match. It was uh, uh, Gunter starting at number one and setting a record-breaking one hour, 11 minutes time in the rumble and basically had a second match in the rumble itself with Cody Rhodes, who uh, came in at number 30. Of course, Cody went on to win the rumble, but you have to give it to Gunther um who I believe, yes, was the um, Intercontinental Champion at that time still on his way to becoming the longest reigning title holder. Um, But 
that men's rumble I thought was a pretty good one. Um, Brock Lesnar did not take up too much time. Uh, he got in a good probably 12 minutes or so before being eliminated by, I think it was Lashley. And then mm-hmm. I guess one of the most insane spots was Logan Paul, your, one of your favorite people, and Ricochet decided they wanted to replicate the um, Homer Simpson, uh, Simpson men family uh Headbutt contest, or but without a wearing a pot on either man's head, they mean like hi everybody, I'm here. By the way, you mean the uh, complete opposite of what you're supposed to do in a Royal Rumble? (laughs) Well, in their defense, Mike, they they both leapt back in the ring, but just splattering against each other. It's not like they uh-huh. went for a high risk spot outside. This was not like them doing like a suicide dive or anything, and then stupidly thinking, "Oh shit, I just eliminated myself." I I understand. Nobody it, nobody was that stupid. Nobody see, was that stupid. My my problem is is that I can't not put logic into these things. I can't. <laughs> it's just it's it's impossible for me to not think logically about anything, and this is included. It's a cool spot. It just is not sensical in a Royal Rumble. Who would have who would have thought that spot would have led to subsequent matches between those two guys? And in August, just, yeah, <laughs> and then eventually leading to Logan Paul becoming the United States champion. <laughs> it only took eight months for them to have a match after that. Yeah, that was um, talk about long term storytelling. Oh, so yeah, yeah um, fortunately there were no women matches mentioned. I mean, I guess I could throw in the Diana Trinity, I guess series of matches they had, but uh-huh. uh, it was not as memorable. Other than Diana tapping out for the first time in her TNA run, yeah. Um, other than that, those are my honorable mentions. Um, did you have any honorable honorable mentions uh, before? We so I have, so I have, I have multiple just okay. because it was yeah. very hard to like put this list together and not make the entire list Will Osprey matches. So <laughs> I just put my favorites on the list, and at the honorable mentions that I have is uh, same as you, Osprey versus Bailey. Um, I also have Osprey versus Naito in the G one. Um. Osprey versus Marifuji at, 20, at Marifuji's 25th anniversary. Uh, and Osprey versus Sabre at Royal Quest 3. Hmm. Um, on, on top of that, I also have Dragonoff versus Hayes from No Mercy. Um, the uh, Intercontinental title match at WrestleMania, Triple Threat. Hmm. Um... Kevin Owens and Sammy versus the Usos at WrestleMania. And um, just to... I I didn't write these down, but I I figured I'll just throw them in because um, Rhea Ripley versus uh, uh, Charlotte at Mania this year was their best match ever. And Rhea Ripley's crowning moment. Um... And uh, from uh, probably a match that you haven't seen, but I, I recommend that you do see it, is um, Julia versus uh, Tam Nakano when uh, Tam Nakano won the title off of Julia. 
it is one of the best women's matches all year. And um, I highly recommend that match to anybody. Um, Tam, Tam Nakano? Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe that was at the All-Star Queendom. I'm, hmm. I'm just going to confirm that to be sure. Um, but yeah, uh, all these matches, great matches that I... Um, would have loved to include on my list. But there's just so many matches that I, I just enjoyed way more. And um, a lot of these were, you know, story-related, and especially the uh, Owens and Sammy tag title match. That was long-term storytelling at its finest with Sami Zayn. And Kevin Owens finally, like, becoming friends again and putting their differences aside to become the champions. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, um, and we talked about it with our wrestlers of the year, uh, it was hard to find a bad Will Ospreay match pretty much the entire year. Um and it was also hard not to just make the whole list about him. But <laughs> yeah, we need to make a minimum of maybe just two to three matches and not just fill yeah. up the entire list. Otherwise, we expand the list or, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a good year for wrestling as a whole. Yeah, the quality of the matches really, um, you know, expanded. You know, I, I would, even though I didn't put any on my top five, I would concede that WWE, like you mentioned, Kevin Owens and Sammy versus the Usos, uh, Gunter, Drew, Sheamus, um, various Gunter matches throughout the year that you know that weren't on a pay per view, but really showed that WWE finally caught up to like putting out quality matches again. Yeah, I don't have any WWE matches on my actual. But, yeah, but nonetheless, I think they will. I, I would say by the end of 2024, we might come to a point where we do have some on the top five or whatever. Um, so I'll go into my uh, fifth, my my number five, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. and then you, you, then I'll go to you. Uh, I mentioned this last week too, in terms of around wrestle when we discussed wrestler of the year. Number five is um. Swerve versus uh, Adam Page, the Texas Death Match at Full Gear. Could have, could have, you know, could have ranked higher, but I don't know. There were so many other ones well, that just delivered quality. We have but the same one... number five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. The same, I, the same number five. And I think, and I think I'm I, and, and, and <laughs> not to repeat myself from last week, but um, from last episode. But yeah. I mean, this match had like every single thing. Like you know, it had blood. It had barbed wire. It mm -hmm. had every kind of foreign object imaginable, except maybe a kitchen sink. And I don't. And I and I concede maybe I. They, they may have had so much stuff out there. We may have just missed the kitchen sink. Um, uh -huh. I mean, what really did it for me was the drinking blood spot, which was, yes. you know, obviously had to go through various um, approvals and uh, mm -hmm. regulations, but nonetheless. Having that in there was like a first for me. I was like, not since like 
Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch randomly in 2020 and then drew some blood. Did I ever see anybody the, else in a wrestling context? The difference is, is another that person's bodily fluids. This was done in a store for storyline purposes. Mm. And it didn't, I don't want to say it made sense because that, do, that doesn't make sense in any context, but it was done for storyline purposes to prove that Hangman Adam Page will do anything to beat the shit out of Swerve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my and when I mentioned, like, there was almost, like, every single thing in the match. If you substitute out the sink and put in Ham, a pay, Hangman's uh, baby pictures or baby drawings. And a cinder and, block. And, and a cinder block as well. Uh, stapling them Swerve's forehead. I mean, I think the only thing actually missing were, like, those wooden skewers you use for like barbecues and then you oh jam yeah, them. yeah. That's, that's more of a moxley thing so i think that's they... that's been a gcw staple slash moxley's yeah. been doing it recently but yeah and of course like you know you know forgive me for just kind of rushing through my analysis of the whole match but uh the the ending i think is the is the one thing that will stand out if you don't remember anything else of this hangman just basically getting his life choked out of him by a chain. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, what an ending really signified the rise of Swerve. Um, we just recently saw it in the Continental Classic with him making it to the finals of the Gold League. Yep. Um, way, way more believable now that he'll be a champion in 2024, at least a singles champion in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love this match, uh, and I think the only reason that I don't rank it higher is because of the interference. Mm, yeah, um, I mean, we talked which was about not it when, needed, which was so, yeah. which was kind of a the one blemish on this thing. It was like, yeah, uh, we obviously we talked about this numerous times. We talked about it when we reviewed Full Gear, when we talked about it a little last week. But um, yeah, this match. Everything that happened in this match, I felt, was warranted because of how personal it became. And um, this is how you tell a story in a match that is supposed to be personal. I don't want to... Like, Swerve Strickland does the thing where he in, does a home invasion of his of his opponent, and then they just chain wrestle. That That's, that's not storytelling. That, like... That's not the time to do that. You you have to have a match like this when it becomes that kind of personal story. And um, I thought that the, the match itself, despite the interference part, went along with the personal animosity and just the fact that Hangman didn't even have an entrance. He just immediately wanted to beat the shit out of Swerve. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did for a long time. And I don't want to say that the finish is. uh, I don't want to say that the finish is telegraphed by the interference, because I feel like I feel like Nana probably would have gotten involved, which I think would have been passable because Nana is a manager and. He went. The guy went through a table, so give, I give him that. Uh, the guy hasn't wrestled in like fifteen years, so. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I love this match so much, and it it was just so uh, good in um, solidifying Swerve if he wasn't already. Cool. Okay, so um, moving on to number four, um, I picked Brian Danielson versus Zack Saber Jr. at Wrestle Dream. Their first encounter, this was supposed uh-huh. to have taken place a few years ago due to unforeseen circumstances or Brian not being available. Um, so this finally happened. Uh, two of the best technical wrestlers having a, for the most part, a very technical wrestling match. Um, uh-huh. My first time watching Zack Sabre Jr. was during the Cruiserweight Classic, and I'm watching this guy doing all these moves that I've never seen anyone else do that I didn't think it was humanly possible sometimes to execute. And yet here we are, uh, Brian Danielson um, at his best while we're doing a lot of technical stuff that when he was in WWE wasn't able to do for, you know, various reasons. But finally found an almost kindred spirit in Zack Sabre Jr. And um, Brian has said that he is uh, heading into his last year as a regular competitor. So um, the way the match ended, I think, left us wanting for more hopefully in, in next year. Because uh, as we mentioned before, Zack Sabre Jr. lost because Brian didn't need a face and got a pin. He did it with a an impact move and not a like a wrestling hold, which for two guys who had built this match to be a technical wrestling clinic and that Zack Sabre Jr. insisted that Brian Danielson was not the best technical wrestler, he couldn't beat him with a technical wrestling move, I definitely smell some future match uh, or uh, like a future round two, sorry, yeah. um, on the horizon. I mean, Brian's going to be at Wrestle Kingdom 18 to face Okada in a rematch. So who knows uh, what Danielson is going to be doing after? You know, I mean, they may have they may set up set up something for Forbidden Door next May. So. Mm-hmm. There's something to look forward to. But yeah, nevertheless, just my recollection of this match, very sound technical stuff, which is something I always have a taste for from time to time. So that's why it's my number four. Uh, Yeah, so I'll have more to say about this match later. Um, But yeah, Uh, what a match. (laughs) Uh, So my number four is... Uh, I think this match probably would have been higher at some point, but there there was a couple of other matches that are just too good not to have above this. And um, this match, I think, has gone under the radar recently because I don't hear a lot of people talking about it that much. But um, my number four is FTR versus Bullet Club Gold, two out of three falls on uh i believe it was the fifth episode of collision uh on uh july 5th so uh yeah this match uh so they had their first encounter which i believe was uh was it a time limit draw i i think 
the their first uh, match or um I, I I gotta look that up. I don't remember off the top. Yeah. Um. Possibly. I mean, I, I I'm ha- I'm struggling to remember myself. In fact, I was actually thinking this match you talk you're talking about was the time limit draw, but uh, I could be no wrong. no no. I could, no. I could be is, wrong. This- this is the it was a definitive win. Yeah, you know what? Now I remember there was a definitive win because I remember Juice was getting Juice got the pin. Um, yes. So the story of this match kind of built it. It was this match was almost a draw because it was close to an hour. It was like fifty nine minutes and twenty five seconds. But um, the first fall just happens out of nowhere, and. Um, I believe it was uh, Bullet Club Gold gets the first fall like very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, obviously FTR is stunned after that, and they the match continues to build and build and build, and then it just goes on for like another like twenty minutes before the second fall happens. And um, the, the obviously these two teams work well together because they. They they did magic in this match. Uh, I feel like we always have some an FTR match to talk about every year since they've been in AEW that just blows everybody away. And I mean, last year they had multiple of those, but um, yeah, I I absolutely love this match. They uh, the third fall they. They spent a lot of time back with back going back and forth, back and forth, and FTR just out of nowhere hits the uh, shatter machine with close to under a minute left, and uh, secures the victory to retain the championship, which I think kind of shocked a lot of people because of um, how hot Bullet Club Gold was at this time. I mean they. I, I mean, not right now. They've kind of cooled off, but even after this, they were they were still pretty hot for a while. And um, yeah, I I think that this match is uh, easily the best tag team match of the year, easily. Um, and I I think that I. Um, I, I obviously I don't know if FTR will uh, be in the title picture anytime soon, but I do want to see them uh, just go on another like amazing. I always want to see them go on a big run, just because I love FTR so much. They're they're easily my favorite tag team in the world, and um, they just they it, it, it's so cool how much they love wrestling and how much they just want their matches to be as good as this one and um yeah i i I love this match cool um moving on to number three um i picked a bit of a fun one because um kind Uh of on on the general theme of number five where they just kind of had everything this is the anarchy in the arena Match at double or nothing. Okay. With the the Blackpool Combat Club facing off against the Elite, 
So we had Danielson, Mox, Claudio, and Yuta at the time facing off against uh, the reunited elite Kenny Omega, the Jack, the Jackson Brothers, and uh, or the Young Bucks, and uh, Hangman Page. Um, <laughs> I think I just died laughing when this match began. When mm-hmm. the BCC came out, um, Violent Idols played Wild Thing, which is Moxley's regular theme song now. Yes. For when they came out and they played it for what I have to say was at least for another 10 minutes when they just kept repeating the song over and over while the match got started already. Um, uh, I mean, you know, at this point, I mean, Moxley suplexing Omega on the barbed wire. Moxley really uh, doing the throwback to Abdullah the Butcher taking out the fork and just stabbing yeah. Kenny Omega's head with it. Um, you know, they take the action to the outside. Um, Claudio hit a pile driver on Matt Jackson in the back of a pickup truck. Um, oh, Moxley put it. I now remember this. Thumbtacks were used in a very um, unique way when Moxley put a handful of thumbtacks in a Matt Jackson's mouth. Wow, Claudio hit Nick with an uppercut, and then, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I'm just reading some of the uh, closing moments here. Omega hit a fee trigger on Castagnoli, hit the one wing angel on Danielson, but Yuta saved the match, broke up the pin. Page attempted the buckshot lariat. Uh, Yuta ducked and jabbed Page in the face with a screwdriver. So the screwdriver is becoming a regular thing here. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, this is what one of the most memorable. What well, well, not the most memorable moment, but a signature moment was Omega sets you up for another one wing angel. Um, you know, Don Callis comes out, appeared with Kanosuke Takeshita. Um, they had you know they they started their little alliance, of course. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so the Kesha comes out. He actually turns on the elite here. Just like Don Callis betrayed Omega a few weeks before, that's when the screwdriver first appeared, and then that, um, and then that allowed a, um, oh well, Takeshita hit the jumping knee strike at Omega, and then Yuta, then Yuta, I mean Wheeler Yuta pinning Omega in in the mat in this match, I think was a significant moment. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, this match probably like had everybody just and and I would I can understand um you know this is a, I guess the current version of what they used to call the stadium stampede i mean i mean they did mm-hmm. bring it back for all all in because they were actually in the stadium but yeah. um yeah this is a you know when you're not shooting a match like this with like um pre-recorded segments and like you know um uh what do you call those uh um vignettes uh, no yeah vignettes or uh cinematic versions right yeah um it's done live so you're kind of limited by yep. what you can do but nevertheless this was a bucket loads of fun i mean i just started laughing when they first just start when they kept playing wild finger the next first 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. everybody just did everything to each other um I would say, you know, pretty cool moment for Wheeler Yuta, who has really come out on his own. Onto, I mean, he's still under the tutelage of, if you will, of his teammates, but he's really coming out on his own. I mean, getting a pin on Kenny Omega, you know, we were talking about like just a few months after this match, uh, Takeshita or Big Take getting uh, wins on Omega himself. So, um, you know, two of them. Yeah. So you got two young guys who really, uh, Really got breakout moments during this year, and definitely Wheeler Yuta got his breakout moment d- during this yeah. match. 
uh, and that's just why it's my number three. Uh, other than you know being a just a fun little um, event during uh, yeah beginning of summer. so so I would have probably put this match on my list if not for like obviously all the matches I'm about to talk about, but um, yeah, the, I, and I should have. That's the thing. There's so many good matches this year that you, you just like forget to mention some of them. I would have put that in my honorable mentions, honestly, if I had thought about it. But yeah, that that was that was a great match. And um, just some corrections on my part on my last entry. The uh, match took place on July 15th, and the first match that FTR and the Bullet Club Gold had was Bullet Club Gold winning. It wasn't a draw. Oh. Um, yeah. So I, I just, uh, I, I guess I just, I think I, I just, the, the other match just left my mind because the second one was so good. And the fact that they were like a week apart. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, my number three and, um, Again, I think I probably would have put this match higher if not for uh, the other matches that I'm going to talk about later. This match uh, from early in the year, I think... And again, when you do these lists, I think people kind of like... Sometimes forget, unless it's like a absolute banger, people sometimes forget that these matches happened in march or february and they just talk about the matches that recently happened um but my number three is from revolution uh mjf versus brian danielson in the iron man match um this match is just uh, it, it, it's it's hard to explain like obviously brian danielson is considers himself an iron man in wrestling and and whenever he gets the chance to prove it he he does every single time um and the story going into this match was can mjf hang with him uh because everybody knows that brian danielson can go 60 minutes everybody knows that brian danielson can can just go as long as he wants in a match and not get tired, not slow down. And obviously at the time, this this was still MJF at the height of his healdom. Mm -hmm. And um, only being champion at the time for what, like three or four months and still kind of, still kind of new to him being at the top of the mountain. And he needed a match like this to solidify his reign at the time. Um, he needed somebody like Danielson to test him. Because I think going in, everybody did, expected that MJF would retain. But they, I think we all wanted to see how MJF would react to this kind of match and how MJF would take to being in the ring with somebody like Brian Danielson for that long. And it, it was just 
it was so, it was a lot of fun. It was it was it was one of those things, and I think people sour on the Iron Man match because of the fact that it is a set like it has to be an hour every time, or it has to be a half hour. So you have to like fit all this in in the time limit and make it make sense. Um, and they did that. You know, MJF obviously using a lot of his heel tactics at the time, whether it's low blows, you're using the, the the diamond ring, and Danielson is just trying to win the only way he knows how, being the best wrestler. He He's not trying to cheat, he's not trying to take shortcuts, and he would tell you that that would probably make him think less of you. But um... Yeah, I I think that this match again probably would have been a lot higher. I mean, it's number three, but it, I I think it would have been higher for me if not for some of Danielson's other matches. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, funny you brought this up as your number three. I ranked this a little bit higher, but we'll get into that later. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, but, uh, uh, absolutely you, love yeah. this match. Yeah. Absolutely love this match. Absolutely love both guys. Um, as evident by our wrestlers list last week. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's my number three. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, like uh, I'll talk about it later. But number two, uh, move on to number two. Um, I picked uh, after taking a look at because you kept talking about this. Um, Will Osprey versus Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 17, mm-hmm. beginning of this year. Uh, Will Osprey was defending what was called the IWGP United States Championship at the time. Yeah. Um, when like what I mentioned before with uh, Will being able to adopt his style to his opponent, um, with Kenny Omega, unlike with a guy. Have, uh, like Josh Alexander, Kenny Omega can at that time could obviously move at, on almost at the same rate as Will, so they were definitely almost matching blow for blow in this one. Um, I'm just maybe it's just the way New Japan style is, but um, just taking a look at even just the brief highlights, it was like just back and forth, and Will just flipping around. He's like doing somersaults in midair, and it was just crazy. Um, the one. <laughs> The fun one pretty cool spot was um, I don't know how it happened, but I guess somebody crashed through a table, and those New Japan tables are those narrower ones that are much harder and are not like gimmicked. And yeah. at one point, one of the tables spouted a giant hole the size of yep. a face, and yep. then Kenny Omega decided to replicate the Jack Nicholson "Here's Johnny" scene from The Shining. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was like the one spot I saw that was pretty cool. Um, got, a, got a good pop. <laughs> yeah, it was like these guys were moving like water, right? And it was almost like I was thinking how the way Bruce Lee used to move and uh, in, when he shot some of his movies back in the day. And it was just like, wow, I was like, this was amazing. And like subsequently I checked out. I mean, I remember going to Forbidden Door later in the year. Um, probably not as good because at that that match had a, the involvement of a screwdriver from Don Callis but the <laughs> fucking screwdriver I know I know yeah 
I bought a screwdriver earlier, but that was in the context of an absolutely no DQ barn burner. But in this case, it was a little more tainted. But nevertheless, I would say number two is this Will Ospreay Kenny Omega classic. Um, really put the standard as the way New Japan does their matches with some of the best talent they have in their roster um, or formerly of their roster. So uh, that's my number two. And uh, yeah, I will say what I have to say about that match a little okay. later. Okay. Uh, a lot of teasers on this show. But uh, so my number two is... Uh, it's Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr., uh, as mentioned earlier by you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, pretty much everything that you said about this match. Uh, two guys who are considered two of the best technical wrestlers ever, uh, or at least of the last, of, of this century, um, going at it for the first time in... I mean, they had matches early, early in their careers, right? But they were not at the level, or at least Zack Sabre Jr. wasn't at the level that he is now at the time um, of their earlier matches. Um, this match was two guys at the height of their ability. Two guys that I don't think uh, out of anybody going today, can be matched on a technical level. These are the two. And you have them going at it in this match that arguably would, in my opinion, should have been the main event if not for what happened at the end of the show that this was on. Because um, I think this match could main event any show. Um... And the fact that they just went out there and had probably the best technical match in the last decade. And it was flawless. There was nothing about this match that I could say. I can't say anything negative about this match because of how good they they just got. They just get it. Both of them just get wrestling get technical wrestling and yeah uh the story going in is who's going to be the best technical wrestler and we're going to prove it and saber jr being upset that he didn't lose on a technical level he lost because he got knocked out and that just screams rematch and Obviously, we're not getting that match right away. I think we're going to get that down the line because we're getting the the Danielson Okada rematch at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, but yeah, I, I think we will have a rematch between these two at some point. I think that if, if anybody who hasn't seen this match and is a fan of Bret Hart or is a fan of... Uh, Kurt Angle, or any of the best technical wrestlers that you could think of should see this match. 
it is it's a masterclass this match and i love it i love it so much um it's my my bread and butter this match it, it, it's the type of wrestling that i love the most it's the type of wrestling that i love to watch and it, it it's the best it and again it would be it would be number 1 but obviously there is a clear number 1 in my eyes <laughs> well in your eyes um but apparently yes. not in mine and let's move on yes. to picks for number 1 number 1 already extensively talked about i picked uh MJF versus Brian Danielson frankly my recollection of this match was just it was just like yeah like you said Danielson was just throwing everything at Max and he was coming back from war and it was finally me seeing well, okay he's not just talking all the time he's actually backing up what he's uh mm-hmm. what he's saying and you would you could say that this was the beginning of this stellar year for MJF like moving on from that Iron Man match to Having spectacular defenses uh, in the four pillars, four way um, against Adam Cole at All In, um, at against Jay White at Full Gear, although it, that could have gone better. Um, and what yeah. obviously pending, um, what I think is a cap off a crazy twenty twenty three for MJF uh, at World mm-hmm. coming up. Um, I mean, I mean the match at even. I think, I, but at one point they had a fire extinguisher. I don't think we mentioned that before. So I was just, I, just, I yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even mention that. No. Yeah, but um, yeah. What I mean, the other significant storyline thing for me was that after this match, it was like Danielson went away for a couple of weeks or months, and then suddenly he reappeared alongside Blackpool Combat Club, which he had been kind of distanced and the, from. And this was after Regal had left. After Regal left, he comes back basically turns heel along with the rest of BCC. And I have to say, I kind of really like heel Brian Danielson. He's yes. kind of been doing a little bits of it here and there. I think, I think he's a light. He's just a tweener forever. Yeah. He, he, he petered off a bit when he was facing Okada because everybody had got the big and, and Ricky Starks and Ricky, and Ricky. Starks. I mean, yeah, yeah. We didn't mention the, Oh yeah. We, uh, the another, honor, another honorable mention for match. you. Yeah. The, the strap match. Between was a strap uh, match was a strap yes. match. I I I think that match just completely slipped my mind because of how good his other matches are, but right. this year, but yeah, the strap match, just to just to comment on that, go watch that match. It's yeah. easily the easily the best strap match ever. Yes. Um yeah, fun fun side note. And now because we've already talked about my number one in your very uh detailed explanation as your number three what is your number one match of 2023 mike uh well i think you could guess it's <laughs> it's, it's it's will osprey versus kenny omega at wrestle kingdom uh i i mean i have said extensively numerous times throughout the year this is my number one match of the year and it has not changed since january 4th <laughs> Since January 4th, nothing has matched this match. Um, I mean, I want I and I even I even toyed with the idea of just making it a tie for both Osprey and Omega matches because 
they both are just amazing. Um, I mean, but yeah, this match was the standard of wrestling throughout the year. And it, to me, and I think a lot of other people who watched this match when it happened were like, nobody is going to match this. Nobody. And I think you could ask any diehard uh, New Japan fan, any diehard AEW fan, any diehard just fan of wrestling who saw this match, that this match has been the standard for the entire year, and it never wasn't. Um, just absolute... Uh, great storytelling going into this match of Will Ospreay uh, putting New Japan on his back because he felt like he needed to because Kenny Omega created a standard in wrestling that put this, this pressure on Will Ospreay and Will Ospreay using that to um, improve over time and and prove that he was a main eventer, prove that he deserved to be world champion. And Kenny Omega leaving and going to AEW and Will Ospreay resenting him for it. Will Ospreay um, telling Kenny Omega that you abandoned New Japan and... You you abandoned the place that made you, and I stayed. I made something of myself. I carried this place, and just going into that match and all of that, just lying over it, uh, uh, being over it, and the just the build. It builds very slowly, but once it gets to like the the crescendo of like the entire finish, and yeah, I I can't I can't say enough about how much this match has molded my year <laughs> as a wrestling fan because I knew that nothing would match it, and nothing did, in my opinion. I, I I I mean I said it when this match happened. That is the best match that I've seen in a very long time. I, I mean I can't I can't I, I can't even so when you make these lists, right? I think people have multiple lists. You have your all-time favorites as far as like being just a, a WWE fan your all-time favorites of just being like a wrestling fan and those those lists kind of like intermingle right cuz everybody pretty much grew up being a WWE fan right so you think that because WWE has always been the standard that when matches like this happened and you compare it there's there's like 
no arguing in, in my opinion. Like this is better than anything I've ever seen. And I I mean I guess you could argue the, the Omega Okada matches. I guess you could argue some of the FTR matches in the last couple of years. But I can't think of a WWE match in general that would even come close to the standard that this match set. And because for years, years, my favorite match of all time was Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Only because that was my two all-time favorites at the time going at it in a match that for somebody like me who just grew up as a WWE fan and later found other wrestling and later realized how good other wrestling was and realized how limited WWE is. There are so many matches that blow that match out of the water. And this is one of them for me because, and, and it goes back to like what I said, it, it's, it, it's come down to now having a all-time WWE list and an all-time just wrestling list because those are different and they can't intermingle. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. I mean, WWE is becoming sort of a category of its own. Um, yes. Not necessarily of better wrestling. It's just that they have just different people they're pushing that does do different things. So, you know, are you... I mean, they are a sports entertainment company now, so it's mm -hmm. definitely a different genre. We have to look at it with a different lens, though. Um, yeah, so there's our top five matches. Um, pretty short list, considering we both picked like similar ones that well, or already plugged in. So. I mean, come on. <laughs> a few I mean, up. I mean, I, and I think obviously, like people that see this, we don't like. Last year, the thing was that there was no New Japan matches because New Japan was kind of at a lull. Mm. And the the thing has been the past two years that there aren't any women's matches on yeah, yeah. the actual lists. But And that's not, nothing against women's wrestling as a whole. I, I think that if there was a match that was undeniable, then I think we would talk about it, right? Um, and... I mean, like, the Rhea-Charlotte match people have put on their lists, right, from WrestleMania, because it was the defining moment for Rhea. It was easily the best match that those two have had ever together. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would have loved to have a women's match on my list, but comparing the best women's matches of the year to what we talked about, is kind of hard and obviously like i mean we're not going to do it here but maybe in the future we'll just make women's matches a separate list right yeah because um 
we don't want to uh, undermine women's wrestling in any way because women's wrestling is better than it's ever been, right? Um, I think it's just hard to compare those to the matches that we have talked about. So I don't want anybody to think less of us and our opinions on women's wrestling because women's wrestling is, is going well. Yeah. I mean, it's better than ever. Yeah. And deserves way much more attention um, than I think these days in general fans are giving it. I mean, we had a bit of a spike during past few years ago when they did a whole pay-per-view of women's matches. Um, that's kind of yep. not having that lately, but, uh, you know, hopefully things will look up in 2024. Sorry, I'm in the middle of, like, there's this really hilarious tweet. Orange Cassidy is at this company called Mystery Wrestling. He's, he's facing this guy named Psycho Mike, and it's, like, apparently two minutes of just comedy spots. I'm just dying here. Sorry about that. Uh, that was a random interruption. But um, no, that's that's fine. But yes, um, I I don't know when. Maybe maybe next year we'll add just top five women's matches or top five women's. Yeah, wrestlers. yeah, we're looking at that. Um, and then, uh, well, we are coming to the closing of the episode of this year. I mean, World's yes. End, uh, AEW World's End is coming Saturday, September thirtieth. You know. So we'll 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 try to fit it in maybe next weekend if we can. Yeah. Um. Because uh, I mean, I mean, the card came. To, the rest of the card came together pretty quickly within the dynamite yes. from last night. So, um, I mean, it's I'm a so pretty hoping, it's a yeah. pretty solid card. It's all solid, things considered, it's solid. Um, you know, I think we're all expecting the the main event ending. I mean, we have ideas of. What it's gonna be like so yes um um without like i mean we're not gonna do like predictions or anything but i think one thing that definitely needs to happen is that this devil storyline needs to yeah i mean you literally reach. called this pay-per-view world's end so if this carries over into 2024 and we still don't know who devil yeah. guy is it's not gonna make any sense and, it's just and a- i mean you got two of them already two of them are tag champs and as of yes, right now, devil's mystery mass people. We don't even know if they are they held the titles before because we don't know who they are. No, we, we have no idea who they are. They just put up a graphic that says "Devil's Masked Men are your yeah, new tag team I, champions." Yeah, I was asking the so, uh, I was asking the Twitter account, the WWE vacant guy. Hey, you know these guys? They kind of look like you a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So so we'll we'll see how everything goes but there there it is a pretty solid card and it, i i'm i'm pretty sure that we could probably fit in a review of the show next uh, as our first show of the year um as long as everybody is able to yeah <laughs> but uh, uh yeah. yeah okay um with that i guess we can uh sign off i guess to end end 2023 mike do you have like one thing you're hoping will happen in the wrestling world in 2024? Um, I don't think I have like one thing in particular, like or general. It, yeah, I, I I feel like there's a lot going on. I mean, like, and we haven't really discussed this really at all, but like WWE is working with all Japan. 
Like that was interesting. I saw that and I was right? like, oh, they're gonna bring a guy from NXT over there. I wonder who it is. And it's like, oh, Charlie Dempsey. And like, which really makes the most sense because he's William Regal's son. William Regal has yeah. relationships in Japan. Yep. Um obviously I would like to see more integration between AEW and New Japan, uh AEW and CMLL if that's possible, AEW and uh AAA. And I mean, I think I've heard people say this before, but I would actually like to see luchadors in storylines and <laughs> and not just showcase matches. Um you have all these very talented guys on the roster in AEW especially and they kind of just show up when you want them to do flippy stuff and that's it. Yeah, surprisingly what I noticed is the most luchador screen time that was given was on NXT as Dragon Lee and um Joaquin Wild and uh Cruz del Toro from LWO are going to have a six-man match against the guys now called the Catch Point Crew, which is Drew Gulak's faction. Um, they're obviously uh, a group uh, really focused on mat wrestling, like technical wrestling. So it's almost like the mat guys versus the high flyers. So in terms of like what you just mentioned, Luchador is having more of a storyline thing going on. It's actually an NXT because uh, the story is, you know, it's like Luchador's, you know, they're going to want to showcase what they can do against these guys who just talk down on them and saying that you need to keep things on the ground, which really is funny because I remember when Drew Gulak was doing his whole PowerPoint presentation gimmick. The no-fly zone. No-fly zone. He's he's brought that back, but in a more serious yes. tone. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see more of that, more of those guys. I'd like to see Commander in a storyline. I'd like to, I'd, I'd even like to see Penta in a storyline. He hasn't, he hasn't really done much in AEW recently. I mean, he just had that great trios match where he teamed with the Kingo and and Commander against Top Flight and Action Andretti. I don't know why they're still called Top Flight and Action Andretti. Just put him in Top Flight. Just call them Top Flight as a trio. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, well, I think Action Andretti's character may start to kind of expand in 2024 considering the man knows how to drink a bottle of water in 0.5 seconds so oh like, Ken, like he was doing the kenny omega bit from uh being the elite the, the... so i i stopped watching yeah. that show but thanks for bringing uh, it up. yes uh, but yeah um yeah I, I mean obviously i'm very intrigued with what's going on with mercedes monet i want to know what's going on with her uh, is she gonna be in AEW? Is she gonna go back to New Japan slash Stardom? Is she gonna be in the Royal Rumble? Is you know nobody really knows because she is very quiet. On she said that after her injury that she was gonna take the rest of the year off, even though she, I'm pretty sure she's healed up and ready to go. Um, I mean, last year she made her first outside appearance at Wrestle Kingdom. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, she is probably the most intriguing free agent as far as, like, what's going to happen? What What is she going to do? Yeah. Uh, because Vince is not there anymore. She's never been in a WWE without Vince, you know? Or 
what you know the main reason for her leaving way back a year plus a year and a year or so ago has gone so yeah uh, and her has changed right so and one of her best friends in wrestling bailey is staying there yep you have more um, reason to go back than you do now kind of striking out on your own not that i'm saying she wouldn't be able to like no brand, but staying you know when you come yeah, um you know, comes to like how you're gonna make your boat make your money um, people go back to what they know, right? Yeah, and I mean, we mentioned it last week when we we talked about free agency, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people's contracts are coming up this year, whether it's out in January, whether it's towards the middle of the year. But, like, you got people like Deanna, who's now a free agent as, uh, as of January 1st, I think. And uh, she could go anywhere because she has proven how good she is and she has proven that wwe wasted her when she was there last time um and i think at this point she is undeniable she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world so she literally has all the options to go anywhere she could go to AEW if she wants she can stay in impact if she wants but she's not going to get the kind of money i think that she would want if she stays in impact um she could go back to wwe and hopefully actually be used to the level that she deserves to be used um but yeah uh is drew mcintyre gonna leave uh he's had contract disputes for months now and I believe his contract is up either January or end of January. Um, yeah, that's intriguing. When we talk about free agency, you mentioned the Dionas, and like we've got a slew of free agents that just passed their 90 day uh, non yeah. compete. So they're going to make a lot of 2024 appearances wherever. But you talk, there's a big free coming up for WWE Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, and Becky Lynch. Yeah. Um, if WWE can't keep at least one of them and they lose all three that would be insane and i don't know what's going to happen so i think as long as becky i think seth will probably do whatever becky does Mm. as far as i mean because obviously i mean we don't know uh, again obviously we don't know these people personally we don't know what they well i mean as of right now i'm pretty sure that they have their baby on the road with them right so I would assume that they have to be at the same company to make that work. Right? Yeah. Um again, I don't I don't want to assume people's personal things, but um yeah, it, it would be very intriguing, especially if Becky left. Because Becky is the glue of that division. Becky is the reason that division is as hot as it is and it has hot as it has been in the last five years. I I don't think women's wrestling is taken as seriously, if not for the emergence of the man, Becky Lynch and all of the things that surrounded that. Um, she's easily the most popular woman's wrestler possibly ever. 
possibly ever. And if she leaves WWE, that is a huge blow. Um, because wherever she does go, and obviously I think if she left, it would be to go to AEW, right? The only other big company in America. Um, but imagine the shot in the arm that the AEW women's division would get if that happened. It would have to be taken seriously at that point. And not, not to say that it hasn't been recently. I think things are going upward in AEW's women's division as far as things recently. But if that happened, it would be on a whole nother level. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I want to say that maybe we'll, we'll I want to see what's going to happen with Roman, obviously, but if he doesn't lose the title at Mania, what's the point, right? What What's the point? He needs to lose the title at this Mania. Yeah. He needs to. It's the only way to move forward. It's the only as, way. As at this point, the only two remaining Hall of Famers that you want to have Roman keep the title just to surpass their the length of their reigns is Hulk Hogan and Bruno San Martino. I'm just I'm I've been thinking about this uh, on and off, and I'm thinking I can't fathom a, a moment when you want to have Roman Reigns, you know, for, for all his accomplishments, surpass the title reign of one of the most iconic pop culture personalities in in wrestling that transcended that and basically made wrestling mainstream, like Hulk Hogan, despite Hulk See, Hogan's many flaws. The problem, right? the problem with that, right? Because if he surpassed Hulk Hogan, he would move into third all time. Yeah. And the third longest reign ever. The problem with that is that he would have to hold the belt until September <laughs> to, ma to make that work. Right. 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 And I, I'm sorry, but I, I just can't. I love Roman Reigns as a, as a performer and everything that he has done in the last couple of years has been great. But 2023 in particular was the proof that I needed that this reign needs to end. Because the man only had five matches the entire year. Right. And you, can, you can credibly argue Orange Cassidy had a better title reign in less than a year because all all the title defenses. Right? Right. And I understand that the bloodline thing is something that you've been building for years i get i get all of that but at this point if that is the thing that you're building your company around i don't think that a title needs to be involved anymore um because the match with the rock is not happening it's just not <laughs> it, it, it's done it's over nobody wants to see that match anymore it should have happened last year, and it didn't. So the fact that this year in particular was all I needed to solidify that 
because I mean we've talked about it in the, we we've talked about it in the past. I haven't watched SmackDown in two months because I have no reason to. They have not given me a reason to watch SmackDown because you have a part-time world champion who's been champion for three and a half years and he only shows up three times a year. And then you have a part-time United States champion Hmm. who only shows up six times a year. What is there to watch on SmackDown? Nothing. There's nothing to fight for. So, obviously, I would love to watch SmackDown. But I would love for them to also give me a reason to. So, kind of a random interruption. Uh, Another match has been added to World's End. It's an all-star eight-man tag match involving everybody else from the Continental Classic. Uh, So, Claudio, Danielson, Mark Briscoe, and Daniel Garcia will team against Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. So it's Team Brian's versus... No, sorry. Team Daniels versus Team Jay's. <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is sort of randomly phoned together. Uh, and here's another thing. I'm like, Orange Cassidy is randomly challenging people and putting his title on the line. I'm surprised he is not defending his international title. And there's a fellow that's going around saying he's doing a world tour in 2024. Um, you know, a uh, guy from another guy, famous guy from Chicago in our in this line of uh, genre, um, Mustafa Ali, and mm-hmm. you know, doing a world tour. Um, that world tour would look pretty good with an international championship uh, that he's uh, lugging around. So anyway, um, uh, on yeah. another note, before we get out of here, just to. Uh... I, I, I just had this thought the other day, and I think I actually tweeted it. I wish Claudio had a Wrestle Kingdom match. Moxley had. I mean, anybody really, but uh, I mean, you got Moxley in a in a title match, and yeah. you have and you have the uh, Okada Danielson rematch. Interesting. I I think it would just be cool for Claudio if he had a Wrestle Kingdom match, and he doesn't. Doesn't have to I be. Mean, a, doesn't have to be a singles match too. If you want to drag a Yuta along, and then maybe like, yeah, see, see if a Shota Umino wants to do a six man, maybe, you know. Yeah, I. I mean, they could have. They uh, Umino has a match already, but uh, yeah, I. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna do their their pre show rumble thing, mm. so maybe he'll be in that, but that that doesn't matter. <laughs> It never matters. So, but yeah, I, I I just think it would it would have been cool if Claudio had like a a Wrestle Kingdom match, but it, that's besides the point. But yeah, Wrestle Kingdom is as always on January fourth. Pretty stacked card, nonetheless. Um, got the main event of Naito mm-hmm. versus Sonata. The the build of Sonata being the champion and Naito winning the G1 to the eventual uh, showdown between the two after Sonata left LIJ and uh, joined Just Four Guys to change the name to Just Five Guys. Yes. 
Um, they were joined by a sixth guy, the returning Yuya Umura, now known as Heatstorm. But then they lost a guy uh, to to the uh, House of Torture, as I understand it. Can, uh, yeah, Kanemaru. Yeah. So it's back to five um, guys again. And randomly, Ren Narita is now part of House of Torture, which is weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you have that match. You have Okada versus Danielson 2. You have Moxley versus Finley versus Osprey. Um, you have, uh, I believe... Uh, Hold on, let me just pull up the 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 actual card because it, it it's pretty stacked nonetheless. But um, yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to it as a whole. But yeah, you have the the matches I mentioned. You also have uh, Takahashi against El Desperado, uh, and you have uh, the winner take all tag title match, uh, Bishamon versus. Uh, Gorillas of Destiny members Hikaleo and El Phantasmo. Um, you got the uh, rubber match between Shingo Takagi and uh, Tamatanga. Then you have Shota Umino teaming with Kaito Kiyomiya from Noah to take on House of Torture members Evil and Ren Narita. Mm-hmm. Um... Yotasuji versus Uemura. That should be good. Then you have Zack Sabre Jr. defending the World Television Championship against the new president of New <laughs> Japan, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, and has, has Zack done a like shit pro like like a promo like I don't know what he call his promos. His promos are actually pretty good. On on the new president, yeah. uh, hey. I haven't I haven't seen one, so I I would have to see if that's the case. But and the he, other... he probably started with President Bollocks. What's happening, yeah. mate? <laughs> yeah. Um. And the other uh, main card match is a rematch between uh, Bullet Club War Dogs, Clark Connors, and Drilla Maloney to take on the catch. 22 team or catch 2-2 team of TJP and Francesco Akira. Mm, okay. So, yeah, it's a pretty stacked card uh, nonetheless, and uh, I always look forward to Wrestle Kingdom because, I, I mean, I'm hoping, I am hoping that Okada Danielson doesn't result in somebody breaking a bone this time. <laughs> Yeah, despite what's being said. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, thank yeah. you, everyone, for listening to us this past year. We truly appreciate it. Um, you can find us on uh, all social media platforms at SLTD Wrestling. Uh, you can go to our link tree. So that's linktree.com slash going over big time. It's to- it's. Link tree, link tree, link tree <laughs> slash going link over big time. Okay, yeah, to find all the links to how to find me, how to find Mike, how to find SLTD Wrestling, um, this wonderful platform that's allowed us to host this podcast for the past year, yes, or two. Uh, our, our YouTube with the video episodes, 
uh, all of our social medias of uh, you, me, Tanner, who is here on occasion, who is, you know, been busy. But uh, Tanner shall be back at some point. Yes, Tanner will be back. And um, yeah, uh, like, like you said, go to our link tree, link tree slash going over big time podcast and like us on Facebook. Everything is on there to how to watch, how to listen, how to support us. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. And with that, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to us in 2023. We will see you again in the new year. Have a good evening.